0: We're in. It thinks I'm Falcon.
1: You are listening to The Man. You are listening to The Man. (laughs)
2: Later. Let's play. Global, remote, I have seven. Correction, eight. That's eight ringbirds. Get on the sack. Tell them to flush the bombers. Russians are still denying everything, sir. Who are you working with? Nobody. Nobody. Everything, sir.
3: Find a
4: way out. Welcome to the treasure room. You have found my treasure. Try this level now. Warrior.
0: Valkyrie.
3: A fast thinker. Ah,
0: oh, David! Oh. Maybe you could tell us who first suggested the idea of reproduction without sex. Your wife?
4: How to die. Let's see you get out of here. Good cooperation. I've not seen you. I don't know what
5: you think you can do here, Stephen. John! Good to see you. John! Good (laughs) to (laughs) see you. What does
0: this kid been telling
2: you? (laughs) How far has it gone? It's about ready to order a counter-strike. That's what we're recommending you do. Mm-hmm. It's bluff, John. Put it off. No, it's not a bluff. It's real.
6: Hello, General Barringer. Mm-hmm. Stephen Falcon. Falcon, mm-hmm. well, you picked a hell of a day for a visit. Uh, General, what you see on these screens up here is a fantasy, a computer-enhanced hallucination. Oh.
4: Oh. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why did you watch it, Max? Mm -hmm. Business reasons. (laughs) Sure. What about the other reasons? (laughs) Max Ren is a victim. I woke up with a headache. He has been exposed. Exposed to video Ooh. to video drone. I've been hallucinating for a while, ever since oh. what? Well, since I first saw video no. drone. His brain is already receiving video Ooh. images. Buster. Oh. Buster. I think that massive doses of oh. video drone signal will oh. ultimately produce and control hallucination to the point that it will change human reality. Soon stop. I I to... stop it. What makes you think I need help? None of our test subjects has returned to normality. Television can change your mind. Video drone will change your body. Long live the new flesh. It will shatter your
4: reality.
2: Shocking station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcast system
4: Second, this station will conduct a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. <laughs>
2: these troubled times, our fifth objective, a new world order can emerge, a new era. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations, a new world order. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause. Now we can see a new world coming into view, a world in which there is the very real prospect of a new world order, freer from the threat of terror, stronger in the pursuit of justice, and more secure in the quest for peace. A world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. Peace and security, freedom, and the rule of law. A hundred generations have searched for this Elusive path to peace, while a thousand wars raged across the span of human endeavor. Wizard, all your will we'll
4: be lost.
2: Are we at one of those moments in history in which there is uh, the necessity for a new world order? A, because of what's taken place in the Middle East, the rise of. of different kinds of groups, and B, what's happened in Asia, meaning that the, the, there has been a shift from the West to the East. Uh, there's a need for a new world
3: order, but it has different characteristics in different parts of the, of the world. Uh, in, uh, to go back to Iraq for a moment, uh, on the one hand, manifestations of what is going on in Iraq are depressing, and uh, some occasion for pessimism. On the other hand, simply it's looking at somebody as a student of the future. I find it sort of interesting that there is now going on, there conversations inside Iraq between the various parties, not going very far yet. Secondly, that there is a meeting of ambassadors which will graduate to foreign ministers of all surrounding countries, plus Egypt, plus the members of the Security Council. And that people are talking of broadening yet a third level in which you would bring in India, Pakistan, Indonesia. Now, none of this may succeed this time, but this to me is sort of the outline by which someday in the next few years, a solution will emerge, that people will look into that cauldron and decide that they have to learn their limits, not just we, but everybody else. I want to make one point about globalization. It's always discussed in economic terms that everybody is better off, but that it's only partially true. Everybody is better off on the average. But in some countries or in some regions, people lose their jobs. Major adjustments have to be made. That's the engine of globalization. The people who are disadvantaged by the process look to their governments for solutions. But the governments are national and the problem is global. So how to bring about
2: a relationship? Are we at one of those moments in history in which there is uh, the necessity for a new world order, A, because of what's taken place in the Middle East, the rise of of different kinds of groups, and B, what's happened in Asia, meaning that there has been a shift from the West to the East.
0: Aaron and I are standing here on the floor now with former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, who was here ringing the bell commemorating uh, 30 years of US China relations which of course were made possible by the uh, hard work that uh, Secretary Kissinger did while serving under President Nixon. Uh, we welcome you sir thank you very much for being Good with to us. Be here. Uh, the obvious first question is the situation in Gaza what is it's an area of the
3: because responsibility uh,
4: Good evening everyone.
3: Thank you. Uh, first of all, I agree with you That's, that there is no food. And um, perhaps if I tell you.
6: To you with a message of leave-taking and
0: farewell. This speech did not get very much attention. When a new president is coming to power...
6: Works. For the opportunities they have given me over the years to bring reports and messages to our nation. My special thanks go to them for the opportunity of addressing you this evening. Three days from now, after half a century in the service of our country, I shall lay down the responsibilities of office as, in traditional and solemn ceremony, the authority of the presidency is vested in my successor. This evening, I come to you with a message of leave taking and farewell, and to share. A few, we face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose, and insidious in method. Unhappily, the danger it poses promises to be of indefinite duration. To meet it successfully, there is call for not so much the emotional and transitory sacrifices of crisis but rather those which enable us to carry forward steadily, surely, and without complaint, the burdens of a prolonged and complex struggle with liberty to Only thus shall we remain, despite every provocation, on our charted course toward permanent peace and human betterment. Crises there will continue to be. In meeting them, whether foreign or domestic, great or small, there is a recurring temptation to feel that some spectacular and costly action could become the miraculous solution to all current difficulties. A huge increase in newer elements of our defenses, development of unrealistic programs to cure every ill in agriculture, a dramatic expansion in basic and applied research, these and many other possibilities, each possibly promising in itself may be suggested as the only way to the road we wish to travel. But each proposal must be weighed in the light of a broader consideration, the need to maintain balance in and among national programs. Balance between the private and the public economy. Balance between the cost and hope for advantages. Balance between the clearly necessary and the comfortably desirable. Balance between our essential requirements as a nation and the duties imposed by the nation upon the individual. Balance between actions of the moment and the national welfare of the future. Good judgment seeks balance in progress. Lack of it eventually finds imbalance and frustration. The record of many decades stands as proof that our people and their government have, in the main, understood the and have responded to them well in the face of threat and stress. But threats, new in kind or degree, constantly arise. Of these I mention two only. A vital element in keeping the peace is our military establishment. Our arms must be mighty, ready for instant action so that no potential aggressor may be tempted to risk his own destruction. Our military organization today bears little relation to that known of any of my predecessors in peacetime, or indeed by the fighting men of World War II or Korea. Until the latest of our world conflicts, the United States had no armaments industry. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizen can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals.
2: see it as well. (laughs) Yes, it.
1: Yes.
0: Oh, mom, walk now! Mm
6: largely responsible for the sweeping changes in our industrial military posture has been the technological revolution during recent decades. In this revolution, res- research has become central. It also becomes more formalized, complex, and costly. A steadily increasing share is conducted for, by, or at the direction of the federal government. Today, the solitary inventor tinkering in his shop has been overshadowed by task forces of science in laboratories and testing fields. In the same fashion, the free university historically the fountainhead of free ideas and scientific discovery, has experienced a revolution in the conduct of research. Partly because of the huge costs involved, a government contract becomes virtual. A substitute for intellectual curiosity. For every old blackboard there are now hundreds of new electronic computers. The prospect of domination of the nation's scholars by federal employment, project allocation, and the power of money is ever-present and is greater to be regarded. Yet in holding scientific research and discovery in respect, as we should, we must also be alert to the equal and opposite danger that public policy could itself become the capital of a scientific technological elite. It is a task for the task of statesmanship to mold, to balance, and to integrate these and other forces, new and old, within the principles of our democratic system, ever aiming toward the supreme goals of our free society. Another factor in maintaining balance involves the element of time. As we peer into society's future, we, you and I, and our government, must avoid the impulse to live only for today, plundering for our own ease and convenience the precious resources of tomorrow. We cannot mortgage the material assets of our grandchildren without risking the loss also of their political and spiritual heritage. We want democracy to survive for all generations to come, not to become the insolvent fan of tomorrow. During the long lane of the history yet to be written,
1: I learned how to talk to him through the help of his computer, which has 15 years old. The term computer talk is the equivalent of saying, Hey, what's the weather like today? Or hi, how's it going? I can perform archery with the help of my computer. I learned how to fire a bow and arrow with the help of a program on my computer. If a robot could speak. I think it would be the like to ask me things like what type of grass he eats. That would be way too.
6: A mutual trust and respect. Such a confederation must be one of equals. The weakest must come to the conference table with the same competence as do we, protected as we are by our moral, economic, and military strengths. That table, though scarred by many fast frustrations, fast frustrations.
7: traffic, power plants, that sort of thing. And then a few minutes ago, we got word that guidance computers in Vandenberg crashed. We thought it was a communications error, but now it looks like the virus. Early warning in Alaska's down. What? Signals from half our satellites are scrambled beyond recognition.
4: What about the missile silos, the subs?
5: Useless, lost without the voice of the collective. It could reactivate, reconnect the transceivers, create a kind of just the Borg on this cube. What Nick did avoid deploy them against the Romulan troops. That sounds amazing. Do that. Assimilate them. Invade their minds. Suppress their identities. Enslave them.
7: Again. You can release them when we win. I won't...
5: Movements. Deploy them against the Roman troops. That sounds amazing. Do that. Assimilate them. Invade their minds. Suppress their identities. Enslave them. Again.
7: You can release them when we win.
5: I won't want to be released, and I will... I might not want to this
4: them. Dr. Asha. <laughs>
1: Why don't
7: you go with them? Picard released me. I found to cause even more loss than his. Is this where the ball queen lives? No.
1: She is <coughs> it sometimes.
4: I can explain or I can explain. Of the church, and then then There's no way you can win that game. I know that. It doesn't. It hasn't learned. Is there going to make it play itself?
2: Yes, number of players, zero.
0: for listening to Man Behind the Machine. We've been having error messages through the server. And here's what we know so far.
1: Increased error rates. 2.25 PM PST. We continue to work towards recovery of the issue affecting the Kinesis Status Streams API in the US East 1 region. We also continue to see an improvement in error rates for Kinesis and several affected services, but expect full recovery to still take up to a few hours. For Amazon Cognito, the issues affecting APIs and authentication for user and identity pools has now recovered. For auto-scaling, delays in launching new instances has now recovered, however some scaling operations are still delayed due to delayed CloudWatch metrics. For event bridge, we have seen partial recovery for the issue affecting delivery of events. We are actively working toward full recovery for all affected services, and will continue to provide updates regularly as we have new information to share. 12.15 PM PST, we continue to work towards recovery of the issue affecting the Kinesis Data Streams API in the US East 1 region. We also continue to see an improvement in error rates for Kinesis and several affected services, but expect full recovery to still take up to a few hours. The issue continues to also affect other services, or parts of these services, that utilize Kinesis data streams within their workflows. While features of multiple services are impacted, some services have seen broader impact and service-specific impact details are below. We continue to work towards full recovery. 10.47 AM PST, we continue to work towards recovery of the issue affecting the Kinesis Data Streams API in the U.S. East 1 region. For Kinesis Data Streams, the issue is affecting the subsystem that is responsible for handling incoming requests. The team has identified the root cause and is working on resolving the issue affecting this subsystem. The issue also affects other services parts of these services that utilize Kinesis Data Streams within their workflows. While features of multiple services are impacted, some services have seen broader impact and service-specific impact details are below. 9.52 AMPST The Kinesis Data Streams API is currently impaired in the US East 1 region. As a result customers are not able to write or read data published to Kinesis Streams. CloudWatch metrics and events are also affected, with elevated put metric data API error rates and some delayed metrics. While EC2 instances and connectivity remain healthy, some instances are experiencing delayed instance health metrics, but remain in a healthy state. Auto-scaling is also experiencing delays in scaling time due to CloudWatch metric delays. For customers affected by this, we recommend manual scaling adjustments to auto scaling groups. Currently impacted services: ACM, Amplify Console, AppStream 2, AppSync, Athena, Batch, CodeArtifact, Code Guru Profiler, Code Guru CloudFormation, CloudMap, CloudTrail, Connect, Comprehend, DynamoDB. Elastic Beanstalk, EventBridge, Iot Services, Lambda, Lex, Mercy, Manage Blockchain, Marketplace, Media Live, Media Convert, Personalize, RDS Performance Insights, Recognition, SageMaker, Support Console, and Workspaces. For further details on each of these services, please see your personal health dashboard. Other services like S3 remain unaffected by this event. This issue has also affected our ability to post updates to the Service Health Dashboard. We are continuing to work towards resolution. Get a personalized view of AWS Service Health. Open the Personal Health Dashboard. Current status, November 25, 2020 PST. Amazon Web Services publishes our most up to the minute information on service availability in the table below. Check back here anytime to get current status information, or subscribe to an RSS feed to be notified of interruptions to each individual service. If you are experiencing a real-time, operational issue with one of our services that is not described below, please inform us by clicking on the contact us link to submit a service issue report. All dates and times at Pacific Time. BSD slash PDT.
0: He listens to Man Behind the Machine. So as I said, Amazon's down. It's affecting our podcast. We can't upload. Apparently people can still listen. So if you can check to go see if you can listen to the episode, see if it's affected. I appreciate it. And this isn't just, you know, podcasts. You know, this is about a lot of different things. The New York City Transit Authority can't update uh, lines that are down because they rely on Amazon servers. See how everything's interconnected? And there's no explanation given of why this outage is happening and why it's affecting... Millions of people and services across the board. You're talking about a huge part of the internet that is down because of the Amazon server. It's amazing how much these people have control over the internet. even have iRobot's vacuum cleaner app that's down because it's tethered to Amazon's cloud. Can't even vacuum your house. How about them, Apple? We are back online, the Amazon outage has been resolved for the time being so thank you for your patience and hope you had a good thanksgiving what is the splinternet?
1: according to wikipedia the
7: splinternet is a characterization of the internet as splintering and dividing due to various factors such as technology, commerce, politics nationalism, religion, and divergent national interests
0: these are the details on the Amazon power outage
7: Amazon Web Outage Breaks Vacuums and Doorbells November 26, 2020 Technology Share this with email, share this with Facebook, share this with Twitter, share this with WhatsApp Image Copyright Getty Images Roomba i7 model is seen in this product shot An outage with Amazon's web infrastructure left smart home enthusiasts unable to use basic household items Amazon Web Services is a huge part of the company's business and the backbone of the internet's most popular sites and services. A widespread US outage late on Wednesday disrupted many of those services. Robot vacuums and smart doorbells suddenly stopped working in people's homes. Widespread problem. I. Can't vacuum. Because US East 1 region is down, read one popular tweet from LinkedIn's top information security official, Jeff Belknap. Welcome to the future, replied another user. The iRobot company, makers of the popular Roomba robot vacuum, acknowledged the widespread problem. An Amazon AWS outage is currently impacting our iRobot home app, it said. Please know that our team is aware and monitoring the situation and hope to get the app back online soon. Advertisement schedule cleaning. Roombas can be used without an internet connection, by pushing a button on the device. But connected services are used to keep it within a specific room and to remotely activate or schedule cleaning, which is how many owners use the robot. Where the money is really made at Amazon. Amazon port's largest ever dose cyber attack. Owners of Amazon's own Ring smart doorbells also suddenly found the device no longer worked at all. We are aware of a service interruption impacting Ring, the company said. We apologize for the inconvenience and appreciate your patience and understanding. The AWS outage also hit other software, including Photoshop maker Adobe and the Washington Post newspaper, which is owned by Amazon boss Jeff Bezos. AWS says the problems have now been resolved and all its services are back up and running.
5: More on this story. Amazon Web Services publishes our most up to the minute information on service availability in the table below. Check back here anytime to get current status information or subscribe to an RSS feed to be notified of interruptions to each individual service. If you are experiencing a real-time, operational issue with one of our services that is not described below, please inform us by clicking on the Contact Us link to submit a service issue report. All dates and times are Pacific Time, PST slash PDT. Read IT Quick. Top 7 AWS Outages That Wreaked Havoc. By the RIP News Desk. Top 7 AWS Outages That Wreaked Havoc. Cloud network outages are wrecking balls, and if this happens with a dominant market player like the Amazon Web Services (AWS), it raises a lot of eyebrows and temperatures. The latest in line is an extensive outage brought on by a human error at an AWS data center in Virginia. Many consider it to be the worst hit in four years, considering the mammoth customer base and disparate service providers associated with the cloud offering. To have an outage on this scale during the initial establishing years is still understandable, but not when AWS enjoys a privileged position of dominance and respect in the public cloud arena. AWS had a rough start with its public cloud crashing at least twice or thrice in a year. Though infrequent today, the scale and impact of such an outage is unacceptable, and the sooner AWS fixes these prickly issues, the better it is for its leadership position. We revisit some of the cloud failures that AWS had been subjected to over the years. June, 2016, the storms that battered Sydney in June, 2016, also shook AWS services. An extensive power outage led to the failure of a number of Elastic Compute Cloud, EC2, instances and Elastic Block Store, EBS, Volumes, many of which hosted critical workloads for big brands. The result was that a number of Prime websites and online presence went down for 10 hours on the weekend, hitting businesses severely. November, 2014. A failure of the AWS CloudFront DNS server for a period of two hours in November 2014 led to some websites and online services being disabled. The reason was that the content delivery network failed to fulfill DNS requests. September, 2013. Infamously called the Friday the 13th outage, the load balancing issue led to some regional customers being hit for a period of two hours across one availability zone in Virginia. This time though, the AWS response was quick, and the company resolved any issues and increased provisioning times to prevent recurrence going ahead. December, 2012, the Christmas of 2012 was not so merry after all especially for those affected by the much-talked-about AWS failure. As a result of the outage, Netflix was down on Christmas Eve, depriving many Americans of the much-needed Christmas cheer brought on by live-streaming of entertainment. Netflix, not surprisingly, laid the unavailability of its services during such prime time squarely on AWS's shoulders. June, 2012, the Virginia Data Center appeared to be jinxed with yet another outage hitting services in this availability zone. A service disruption halted operations for about six hours, putting businesses into misery. This survey is one of the first wake-up calls for how things could be impacted if the cloud went wrong. August, 2011, this was amongst the firsts, and although not as impactful, it was an eye-opener to the negatives of over-reliance on the cloud. Thirty minutes of downtime impacted high thoroughfare sites such as Netflix, Quora, Reddit, Foursquare, and social networks. The reason was pinpointed to connectivity issues between three of Amazon's availability zones with the Internet. The damage was done both to EC2 and the relational database service, RDS, as also to AWS reputation. April, 2011 a major disruption that forced many of Amazon's bigger customers to remain offline for days together. This again was among the first rude awakeners to the reality of cloud. This may go down in AWS history as its blackest day, since AWS choose to hide behind silence rather than face the challenge head-on. The public cloud major took a painfully long week to awaken from its stupor and issue a public word. A highly technical and wordy explanation blaming the outage on a storm. A half-hearted apology followed, but this inappropriate handling of the issue left it in bad light. Some of these errors are technical in nature, while others are related to grossly mishandled disaster management and communication response. Either way, it must be a lesson learned for cloud service providers on what not to do, if they want the world to embrace the cloud. Tags Amazon Web Services AWS Cloud Computing Editors Picks IDC Report Understand Cloud Pricing Options Find the Right Cloud Pricing Model for Your Windows Server and SQL Server Workloads GET By Microsoft, September 2020 Building and Strengthening Relationships in Today's Sales Environment Only 23% of customers say that sellers provided an excellent experience.
7: of a fragmented and divided internet is now upon us. The splinternet, where cyberspace is controlled and regulated by different countries is no longer just a concept, but now a dangerous reality. With the future of the World Wide Web at stake, governments and advocates in support of a free and open internet have an obligation to stem the tide of authoritarian regimes isolating the web to control information and their populations. Both China and Russia have been rapidly increasing their internet oversight, leading to increased digital authoritarianism. Earlier this month Russia announced a plan to disconnect the entire country from the internet to simulate an all-out cyber war. And, last month China issued two new censorship rules, identifying 100 new categories of banned content and implementing mandatory reviews of all content posted on short video platforms. While China and Russia may be two of the biggest internet disruptors, they are by no means the only ones. Cuban, Iranian, and even Turkish politicians have begun pushing information sovereignty, a euphemism for replacing services provided by Western internet companies with their own more limited but easier to control products. And a 2017 study found that numerous countries, including Saudi Arabia, Syria and Yemen have engaged in substantial politically motivated filtering. This digital control has also spread beyond authoritarian regimes. Increasingly, there are more attempts to keep foreign nationals off certain web properties. For example, digital content available to UK citizens via the BBC's iPlayer is becoming increasingly unavailable to Germans. South Korea filters, censors belonging to North Korea. Never have so many governments, authoritarian and democratic, actively blocked internet access to their own nationals. The consequences of the splinternet and digital authoritarianism stretch far beyond the populations of these individual countries. Back in 2016, US trade officials accused China's great firewall of creating what foreign internet executives defined as a trade barrier. Through controlling the rules of the internet, the Chinese government has nurtured a trio of domestic internet giants, known as BAT, Baidu, Alibaba and Tencent, who are all in lockstep with the government's ultra-strict regime. The super apps that these internet giants produce, such as WeChat, are built for censorship. The result? According to former Google CEO Eric Schmidt, the Chinese firewall will lead to two distinct internets. The US will dominate the western internet and China will dominate the internet for all of Asia. Surprisingly, US companies are helping to facilitate this splinternet. Google had spent decades attempting to break into the Chinese market but had difficulty coexisting with the Chinese government's strict censorship and collection of data, so much so that in March 2010, Google chose to pull its search engines and other services out of China. However now, in 2019, Google has completely changed its tune. Google has made censorship allowances through an entirely different Chinese internet platform called Project Dragonfly. Dragonfly is a censored version of Google's western search platform, with the key difference being that it blocks results for sensitive public queries. Sundar Pichai chief executive officer of Google Inc. sits before the start of a House Judiciary Committee hearing in Washington DC, US, on Tuesday, December 11, 2018. Pichai-backed privacy legislation and denied the company is politically biased, according to a transcript of testimony he plans to deliver. Photographer, Andrew Harrer, Bloomberg via Getty Images the Universal Declaration of Human Rights states that people have the right to seek, receive, and impart information and ideas through any media and regardless of frontiers. Drafted in 1948, this declaration reflects the sentiment felt following World War II, when people worked to prevent authoritarian propaganda and censorship from ever taking hold the way it once did. And, while these words were written over 70 years ago, Well before the age of the internet, this declaration challenges the very concept of the splinternet and the undemocratic digital boundaries we see developing today. As the web becomes more splintered and information more controlled across the globe, we risk the deterioration of democratic systems, the corruption of free markets and further cyber misinformation campaigns. We must act now to save a free and open internet from censorship and international maneuvering before history is bound to repeat itself. Brussels, Belgium, May 22, an of as active as the anti-Facebook demonstration with cardboard cutouts of Facebook chief Mark Zuckerberg, on which is written Fix Fakebook, in front of the Berlmot, the EU Commission headquarter on May 22, 2018 in Brussels, Belgium as.org is an international non-governmental cyber-militating organization, founded in 2007. Presenting itself as a supranational democratic movement, it says it empowers citizens around the world to mobilize on various international issues, such as human rights, corruption or poverty. Photo by Thierry Menas, Corbis via Getty Images The Ultimate Solution similar to the udhr drafted in 1948 in 2016 the united nations declared online freedom to be a fundamental human right that must be protected while not legally binding the motion passed with consensus and therefore the un was provided limited power to endorse an open internet system through selectively applying pressure on governments who are not compliant The UN can now enforce digital human rights standards. The first step would be to implement a transparent monitoring system which ensures that the full resources of the internet, and ability to operate on it, are easily accessible to all citizens. Countries such as North Korea, China, Iran, and Syria, who block websites and filter email plus social media communication would be encouraged to improve through the imposition of incentives and consequences. All countries would be ranked on their achievement of multiple positive factors including open standards, lack of censorship, and low barriers to internet entry. A three-tier open internet ranking system would divide all nations into free, partly free or not free. The ultimate goal would be to have all countries gradually migrate towards the free category, allowing all citizens full information across the WWW, equally free and open without constraints. The second step would be for the UN to align itself much more closely with the largest western internet companies. Together they could jointly assemble detailed reports on each government's efforts towards censorship creeping and government overreach. The global tech companies are keenly aware of which specific countries are applying pressure for censorship and the restriction of digital speech. Together, the UN and global tech firms would prove strong adversaries, protecting the citizens of the world. Every individual in every country deserves to know what is truly happening in the world.